0: you know when you When your church family is a church family, you experience all the same things that a regular family does, right? People move away and they they grow up, and things change and uh, sometimes we even offend each other and get mad at each other right because we're, we're we're a family, but then we forgive each other because we're a Christian family <laughs> uh, and we have the power of Jesus to do that. So, uh thank you for being a part of this family time today. Um what a good time to be in God's presence. Amen. So, hey, we're going to we're going to pick up where we left off last week. If you weren't with us last week, uh, we were in 1 Peter chapter 1, uh verses 13 through 25 and we only did verse 13. So, um the good news is there's We're going to focus in on just a a few verses here uh, through this section. But I'm going to go ahead and read the whole thing again, uh, the whole passage of Scripture as we've kind of been going through first Peter here. So first Peter, chapter one, if you're there, uh, we're going to start in verse 13. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to open the word of God to us as we read it right now. Thank you, Lord. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with a precious Blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or de- defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, Love one another deeply from the heart for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God for all people like for all people are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of field, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. So there's all kinds of stuff going on in this passage. If you remember, uh, Peter is speaking to a people who are going through trials and suffering. And so right now this is very applicable for the situation that many of us are, find ourselves in. Uh, what our world finds itself in. And lastly, we got to verse 13 and then we just we just stuck there on the idea of hope. You know, we have a hope that Jesus is coming back. Amen. Jesus is coming back. That, that is our hope right there. That's the blessed hope spoken of in Scripture is that Jesus comes back. Uh, our main hope is not that we have a great life and everything's comfortable. I mean, there is a, you know, we kind of have got off track a little bit in the United States, right? A little American gospel action going on where it's just about us. And it's just about our situation and what we can get from God and what he's going to do for us and how much he's focused on us. And it's us, 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 us. But in heaven, all the focus is on Jesus, 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 Jesus. And so if I want to get my focus on the right thing that all eternity is focused on, I have to get my focus on Jesus. What is Jesus doing? What is Jesus going to do? And what is Jesus about right now? It does say in the scriptures, as I was, I don't remember if I was singing that or praying that, whatever, that Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us. Hebrews 9, verse 25 or 27. Can't remember. But that Jesus ever lives to make intercession. That means Jesus is always praying for you. That's good news. What is Jesus doing right now? He's interceding for, for the saints. He is praying for his people. He is pouring out his blessings upon them to do the work that he has called them to do. Because Jesus left, and it was better that he left so he could send the Holy Spirit, so he could multiply who he is to the whole world. So anyway... Last week I told an amazing story, you'll have to look at it, of in 1914, that a man named Shackleton was the, the owner of a ship, and they had an amazing voyage to Antarctica, and over two years they had a survival, and so you can look that up, you can either find the message online uh, from last week, well not online, but online by audio, um, and and find out about that. But they had hope that someone would return and their hope was manifest. We have the same hope. Our hope is that Jesus is coming back. So when you get all distracted about everything that's going on right now. Say, look up. And realize that Jesus is coming soon. I'm not making any end times predictions. I'm not saying... This is that or what's going on. I'm not, I'm not into that. I'm not smart enough for that. Um, But I do know that Jesus is coming back and he can come back at any time. He can come, but he comes back in his time. And it says, in fact, nobody knows the day or the hour, but only the father. And so whatever time father God has said, I know it's good. I know it's right. I know it's perfect. It's just like the first time Jesus came. It's going to be exactly the right time. It says, in the fullness of time that Jesus was born. And it's going to be in the fullness of time when the gospel has been preached to the whole world that Jesus will return and come and make all things right, make all things new. So Peter wants to get our focus off of us and what's going on here and make sure it's on the right place We have to have our hearts and our minds and our and our perspective set on hope when it's set on hope Then we can endure then we can press on then we don't get distracted Then we don't get tied down with things that are less important than hope So in verse 14 it says this As obedient children Do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived In ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. And so I want to talk about two things here. Obedience and holiness. Number one, you're called If you're a believer in Jesus, if you're a child of God, you're called to be an obedient child of God. Now, here's the the good news. That he gives you the ability to obey. That God never calls you to something where he says, hey, I know you're not going to make it, so just go ahead and do it. No. He says, look, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the ability to obey me how do i know i have the ability to obey god and it's right there in the verse because he says you're obedient children your identity in christ is your ability to obey god it's because of who you are in jesus christ that you have been empowered by him you've been changed by him and now you can obey god And even better than this, you will want to obey God. Jesus said in the book of John, he said this, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now I think you can say that several ways. You can make it like a thing. If you really love me, then you'll obey me. little stinking brat. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not really calling Jacob that. <laughs> but some people hear God like that, right? Some people, because they, they heard that growing up, I didn't, I didn't have that issue, but I know many others had, they heard so much negativity growing up that it was like, measure up! Come on, man, do it! You can just do it! And it's based on your performance. The love you receive was based on your performance. Rather than in the kingdom of God, it's like this. When you love somebody so much, you want to please them. So if you have an obedience problem with God, your problem is not obedience. Your problem is love. You need to fall in love with Jesus more and allow him to, you know, allow his love to fill your life. Because when you have a love relationship with somebody, you want to please them. It's not, it's not work. It's not effort. It's not like a have to do. It's like a, oh, no. I love my kids. Not a perfect love. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I don't like them. <laughs> Right? You don't have, it's, love and like are two different things. Every parent knows this, right? And I'm, I'm, you know, there are, there's so much revelation that happens when you have children, right? Right, Dave? When, you know, let me tell you this. Before, when you're an adult and you're grown up and you don't have children, you know a lot about raising kids. Is that not true? I mean, there's a, there's, you know a lot. And then you have kids. <laughs> and you realize, you didn't know it much. <laughs> you didn't really know anything because every single kid is different. But I love my kids so much that no matter what they do, I'm going to love them. And I want them to always know that no matter where they are or what they're doing, that I love them. It doesn't mean I don't discipline them. But I want my kids to obey me out of their love for me, not out of fear of punishment. Doesn't mean they don't sometimes get a little bit of punishment. I believe in the whole Bible. (laughs) Spare the rod, spoil the child, or whatever. So, you know, those things are, are needed. Discipline is needed. But if the only reason my children... Obey me is because they don't want to get in trouble, then there's a breakdown in the relationship. And look, when it's little kids, it's just, it's, you're training them. You're raising them up. I'm saying that by faith. (laughs) Maybe I need to love my kids more because they sure aren't obeying me like I want them to. (laughs) But with us and Father God, it's so much greater because number one, he's a perfect father. Whereas I am imperfect and sometimes my discipline is not out of love. It might be out of frustration. His discipline is always out of love. So no matter what God is doing in your life, it's with love. If he's correcting you, it's with love. If he's pushing you through a hard time, it's love. If you're on on the mountaintop and you're celebrating and it's a great time, it's because of love. But we we, we can't base our awareness of God's love in our lives about how our lives are going. In other words, if it's going good, he loves me. If it's going bad, he doesn't. Or if I'm doing good, he loves me. And if I'm doing bad, then he doesn't love me. Because then it's based on something other than his perfect, unchanging nature but because God's love is based in his nature and who he is it doesn't have to change it doesn't it doesn't have to be affected by something or someone else and so peter says look you're obedient children as obedient children, you can lay aside all this stuff that you did in ignorance. You didn't know what you were doing. You didn't. You weren't thinking about what you were doing. But now you have knowledge. Now you've been enlightened. Now you've been filled with the revelation of Jesus Christ with the knowledge of God. And so you can be different. You can, as an obedient child, walk and put away the evil desires and have new desires in your life. You know what? You don't have to live in a battle all the time where you keep it staying in the same cycle. There is freedom in Jesus Christ. Some people teach that, man, you're just stuck as a sinner your whole time and you're just never going to make it and you're never going to be that great. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says I was a sinner, but now I'm a saint. If you're a sinner, you're not a child of God. Doesn't mean you don't sin, but that's not your nature. The old is gone, the new has come. And so I get to live from my new nature. Now, why do I still have a problem obeying God sometimes? Well, because my new nature is in my innermost self. My my spirit has been filled with the Holy Spirit, and so that has to work its way into the way I think. Because I have habits of thinking and patterns of thinking and way, and habits of doing things that need to be broken. I was talking to my kids about this and I threw this out randomly. I said, I said, hey, stop, stop doing that. You need to quit doing that. I don't remember what it was. (laughs) Do I say that all the time? Stop doing that. (laughs) Uh, And I said, it takes 21 days to break a habit. Supposedly. (laughs) According to the experts. It takes 21 days to break a habit. And so I think it was my oldest son Evan said, 21 days. So you have to, you have to change this for 21 days before you don't just revert to just doing it without even thinking about it. Sometimes that's what we have to do, is you have to start with a lot of effort. But as you put your effort with faith and in your relationship with God, then when you get past the, the point of habit, then you get into the, po- the point of being empowered by the Holy Spirit, and then you begin to walk free from whatever that is. But it's going to take an amount of time, just because you're, the way our minds think, the way our bodies react, we're trained to be familiar with certain things. And so, if you're familiar with reacting out of anger when you are faced with a situation in your life, then unless you train yourself and allow the Holy Spirit to work in you, you're going to continue to act like that. But as a child of God, you have the promise of God that says, no, you don't have to be like that forever. You can change. You can be transformed. You can have the transformation in your mind and your emotions and your will that your soul can be totally transformed to where your actions and your thoughts and your desires begin to look like the thoughts and actions and desires of Jesus. Because He's in you. It's not you, it's him. But you get to work. You get to take, make efforts. You're not saved by works, but you get to offer yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to him, and that's your spiritual act of worship. So as obedient children, we set aside, we don't conform ourselves to all those desires when we lived in ignorance, but we are called to be holy. As he is holy, you know, in the Old Testament, there's a whole lot about holiness. I don't know if you've noticed, if you've ever read the Old Testament. They have all kinds of stuff that's going on. You've got the temple, you've got the you've got the holy place, you've got the holiest place, the holy of holies. You've got the the priestly garments, and it says that's holy. You've got the altar; it says that's holy. The sacrifice that's holy. It's a quote here from the Book of Leviticus. Isn't that, that's like the book that nobody wants to read when they're going through their Bible reading, right? Let's be honest, okay? Nobody says, yes, it's Leviticus month, all right. <laughs> I mean, we have to be honest, right? Let's not lie, but sometimes God can speak to you through that. There's, there's truth in there, but it's, it's just a lot of, about all the regulations and stuff. But in the middle, it has all these phrases where it says, hey, look, you're going to be, you need to be holy because I'm holy. Like, what does that mean, God. Well, there's three parts to holiness. There's the purity of holiness, the presence of holiness, and the purpose of holiness. So everything in the Old Testament, which is all a shadow or a picture of the reality to come in the New Testament, is number one, everything that was holy was anointed with oil and cleansed with blood. I mean, when when Aaron's getting dressed for the first time as the high priest, he was the first high priest in the Old Testament. It says they they anointed him with oil, and then they, they put blood on his garment from the sacrifice. Because what was happening right there, there was the purity and the presence. The purity from the blood and the anointing was the presence of the Holy One in his life. And then the third thing is purpose. All the things in the Old Testament, all the parts of the sacrifices, they were holy, not just because they were purified, not just because they were anointed, but because they were set apart for a specific purpose. So it's the same thing for us. If you're a believer in Jesus today, you have been purified by what? The blood of Jesus. You have been anointed by whom? The Holy Spirit. And now you are set apart. What do you, you are wholly set apart for a purpose from God, right? What is that purpose? That's the big question right there. And <laughs> then everybody's like, I'm not saying nothing. <laughs> what is our purpose? Spread the word, sure. Worship God, plant seeds. None of these are wrong, so they're all right. (laughs) Walk in love. Hey, this is all... Hey, look. Love our neighbors. Yeah, basically, if you could put it into two ways, is number one, we're to be transformed to look like Jesus... And share Jesus with the world. It says that we are conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. So being holy is, yes, not doing wrong things. But it's more about doing right things. You know, the church got confused about holy. You know, the, the opposite of holiness is legalism, right? You know, when the church got confused and said... Uh, Women can only wear dresses when they come to gather with the people of God. I mean, now it seems ridiculous, doesn't it? I mean, is it, it's so, it's long ago. But at one point, that was like the, the reality in some churches was like, no, this is the way it has to be. This is you being holy. You gotta dress up for Sunday because you're being, you're going to the holy place. Right? Have you ever heard someone say, Well, don't say that in church? Right? I'm sorry, Pastor. I didn't I mean didn't mean to cuss in front of you. Didn't mean to say that in the house of the Lord. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that before. <laughs> Maybe by some of you, I don't know. Um <laughs> But we miss the point of holiness. Sure, yeah, we we don't want to cuss. Absolutely, I'm not for cussing, just to clear that up. (laughs) But it's about being purified by the blood of Jesus, anointed with the presence of the Holy Spirit, and living out our purpose for God in the world. That's what being holy is, not what I dress like, or whether I accidentally have said a bad word one time this week. It's like, look... The blood of Jesus is, is above that. He's changing you. But if we get stuck in just these little things that say, this is holiness, then we put God in a box when God wanted to get out of the box in the New Testament. God was in the box in the Old Testament. He says, when Jesus came, the temple was torn from the top to bottom to represent that heaven was coming to earth, that God was the one tearing the veil to say, now everyone has access to God and it is not about me being in a box, it's about me getting out to the whole world to show who I am and reveal my redemptive plan and my salvation to the whole earth. So we get to be holy as He is holy, that we are purified by the blood of Jesus. Do we need to confess our sins sometimes? Absolutely. But what does it say? If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. In other words, as I walk with God, as I walk with Him as He is in the light, the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies me from all sin. So it's my relationship with God and it's because of who Jesus is that I am purified and walking in holiness. Then I can be confident to carry out the purpose of God in my life. Because if I'm not confident, then I'm not going to step out and take a risk of faith, right? You know, we've been going out on Wednesday nights. Man, we had a great time on Wednesday nights going knocking on our neighbor's doors. And you know what? When you knock on a door of someone that you don't know... I mean, nobody not likes doing that, do they? Does anybody just like say, I just wish I could do that every day, right? Right? You wake up and go, I'm going to go make myself uncomfortable. <clears throat> this is what I was made for. But if you, have, if you have a doubt about who you are, and if you're thinking about, oh, man, I'm, I'm not really that great of a person, or I'm not, I've, I've, uh, oh, man, I, I sinned so much. I, was, I was treated my wife badly, and now I'm out with my wife praying for people, and it's like, oh, my gosh. If I'm focused on that, what's going to happen when the Holy Spirit tries to reveal something in my heart and says, here's what you need to pray for? for this person I'm so focused on myself that I can't hear the voice of God and then I'm not living out my purpose to represent Jesus to the world but if I am confident and I'm walking I'm going I am a child of God and I am purified by the blood of Jesus. And what happened an hour ago, I am believing that Jesus' blood is enough to cover that. So if I had a fight, I didn't have a fight with my wife, I'm just saying. Um, if I did, it doesn't matter. Because in that moment, I am standing and I am holy before God. And I stand righteous before Him. And so when I knock on somebody's door, a child of the King of Kings is at the door. And I am ready and willing and able to do exactly what He wants to do. So when he starts giving Sharon a pain that she didn't have before, because God is obviously using her in that gifting, obviously, (laughs) that the people are like, hey, do you have a headache? Yes, I do. Can we pray for that? And God opened up so many doors on Wednesday. It was so awesome. Prayed with about seven or eight people out in our neighborhood, and you're like, "Look, I'm not an evangelist. I just want you to clear. It. I know that's clear, but I don't like doing it either." You get to the door, and we're like, "Oh, let them answer for Sharon. <laughs> She's getting really good at this." Oh, I can hear, I can hear Mr. Terry Luck down down the row. Oh, yeah, he's good at knocking on doors. He, do, he can do that for a living, too. I like hearing his voice. Oh, God, let him let him get it. You know, we all have to say we're all thinking the same thing. But as we step out in faith, things happen. Now, I'm not saying you have to knock on doors. I think you should try it sometimes. But if we are walking through life in awareness of who we are in Christ then we're probably more likely to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit when He speaks to us and moves us beyond our little bubble. Because really, that's the the issue, right? I get so focused on my little bubble in my life and what's going on that I'm not paying attention to what God is doing around me. And when I pay attention to what God is doing around me, then I can walk in the purposes of God. And in many ways, I am being holy as He is holy. I am being set apart for the purposes of God. And that's what Peter is saying here. He's saying, look, this is our privilege. This is your privilege to walk in confidence before God and to walk in confidence in your life. Be encouraged that if you're a believer in Jesus, then the slate is clean. It's not based on... On your performance, it's based on Jesus' performance. Imagine if we came to God and we realized the report card we're coming with is Jesus' report card. You get to throw all your report cards away, whether they're good or bad. Even if it was straight A's, it's not enough. Our righteousness is like filthy rags, but the righteousness of Jesus is enough. And I can walk in the purposes of God. You know, when Moses... uh, When Moses met God in Exodus chapter 3, it says he met God in the burning bush, right? And so, what did the burning bush say? Moses, take off your shoes for the place you're standing is holy ground. Right? So, So Moses removes his shoes. And what happens in that moment, of course... Is that Moses' purpose is revealed. So when we get in the presence of God. He'll reveal purpose to you. I mean our general purpose is all the same. To look like Jesus and make disciples and represent him to the world. But what does that look like individually? Moses had a specific call on his life that God said, here's, here's the way you're going to fulfill my purpose in your life. And when you get in the presence of God and you take time to be with him, that he will begin to reveal his purpose for your life as well. well. We got to verse 14 and 15. Let's close here. If you stand. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the Word of God. We just thank you for the testimony of Jesus that has been proclaimed today. And so we go forth with confidence. Lord, I just speak right now to every spirit that's in this room, that you would be strengthened by the love of God. You'd be strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we would walk in the anointing that you have given to us, God, that we would walk in our identity as sons and daughters of the King of Kings. Lord, that we can walk in, in, in without shame or without guilt, without fear without uncertainty without anxiety lord because jesus you are ruling our hearts with peace you are the prince of peace that rules over our hearts and so we thank you lord that we are your representatives to represent your kingdom of love your kingdom of peace your kingdom of hope in this moment where people are desperate for it they are looking in all different directions and we have the answer it's you And so we we just thank you, Lord, that we can lay aside anything that would hinder us and we would cast aside the sin that would try to so easily entangle us and we set our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our, our faith and we walk the purpose that you have given us. Lord, I pray for anybody who says, man, I have no clue what God wants me to do. Lord, I just pray that this week you'll begin to open up things in their lives. You'll begin to open up desires of wanting to do things for you. Lord, we just thank you for for unlocking those desires, Lord, that have been shut up by confusion or fear or wrong teaching or whatever it might be, Lord. We just release purpose right now to every person in this room. In Jesus' name, we just declare openness to you, God. Help us be aware. Help us be aware of your presence, God. Help us walk in confidence that comes through the blood of Jesus. And everybody said, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I hope you're encouraged by this word from God and from the word of God.